We are in our third week in our Lenten series where we're exploring disciplines that are designed to help us kind of unplug from the hurried and the busy world that we find ourselves in. So last Sunday we talked about the discipline of silence and hopefully at some point during this past week you were able to take some time to be silent. This week's discipline is similar. In fact, they're, they're often connected to one another. Solitude. Now, solitude, it's, it's a little bit different than silence. It, it involves being quiet, but it also requires getting away. It requires getting away from people, from regular routines, from regular schedules, regular activities, regular habits. It's the act of being intentionally alone. Now, I know some of us here, those two words, intentionally alone, and we think, Whoa! Preach! Because we're always around people. We need a break. Being intentionally alone is awesome. And others of us hear it and we think, I'm alone all the time. I don't need more time alone. I need community. I need community. And I think it's important to say that, that we actually, we need both. We're wired for both. We need rest and we need each other. We are wired for both and we can find God and we should find God in both of those places. Whether you're on one extreme, you're in that, woo, preach, I just need some time alone, or you're in that time where I need community, whether wherever you are this morning. I want to invite us to think of solitude as not just time alone. It's intentional time alone with God. Henry Nouwen, um, he refers to that, that time alone as the furnace of transformation. He writes, Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false, of the false self. Jesus himself entered that furnace. Now and then goes on to refer to the time in the wilderness before Jesus' earthly ministry began as, as that time that Jesus spent in the furnace when he was tempted to be relevant, when he was tempted to be spectacular, when he was tempted to be powerful. That was time that Jesus spent alone in solitude in that furnace of transformation. But that's not the only time, as we'll see today, that Jesus spent alone in solitude. Now and continues, solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of the false self and the encounter with the loving God who offers himself as the substance of the new self. Solitude. The place between the great struggle of the false self and the great encounter with the loving God. So I invite us to see solitude as that time alone, intentional time alone with God. Now, as far as spiritual disciplines go, solitude isn't just, uh, just about getting away, even though that's a part of it. It isn't just about being silent, though that is a part of it. It's, it's being intentional and it's getting to that place. We talked about this a little bit last week where we can put ourselves in a position in our heart, in our mind, and in our soul where we can say, all right, I'm ready to wrestle with that question, where are you? How are you? The question we looked at last week that Elijah struggled with on that mountain. Now, as I 
prepared for this morning, I realized that I used to prioritize extended times in solitude. That it's a discipline that I, I used to be a lot better at than I am now. And it's something that I need to get back to. About 10 years ago, I was in uh, the Southern Rockies at one of our, our denomination's properties in New Mexico. And I had a, a day to myself. A day to myself that wasn't planned, that wasn't had, didn't have anything going on. And I decided to, to leave the ranch and to hike up into the mountains all by myself. About an hour into the hike, I realized just how alone I really was. There was a trail, kind of, but it wasn't all that well kept. I hadn't seen a sign for what felt like a mile or two. So I climbed up onto this rock and I looked back into the valley from where I had come. And it was wonderful and eerie all at once. Now it turns out that this PCUSA property is a place called Ghost Ranch. And it got its name because hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago, local cattle farmers would take their herds up into this ravine out of the valley any time that thieves would come in because the thieves believed the mountains were haunted. Really comfortable place to be when you're by yourself. I, I wish I would have known that before I went off on a hike without telling anyone that I was going off on the hike. And had I known that history... Good chance I, I maybe wouldn't have spent the whole day out there by myself. The truth is, solitude can be wonderful and scary, especially if it leads us to a place or to places that we, we've never been, literally or figuratively. And yet, Jesus always spent time alone. And he invited his followers to do the same. So our second passage this morning, it comes from the middle of, of Mark chapter 6, and it's just a couple of verses. News about Jesus was spreading throughout the land, and a lot of authorities, they were beginning to, to be concerned with what Jesus was doing, with what Jesus was preaching. So in the middle of Mark recounting all that Jesus was doing, the miracles that Jesus was, was performing, uh, he writes about how John the Baptist was killed. And it's a gruesome gruesome story in Mark chapter 6. Along with everything else that was happening, it's reasonable to think that Jesus and his followers said, wow, things are kind of getting tense. We should, we should probably get away for a while. Mark writes this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the work, in the midst of possible fear from what had just happened with John the Baptist, Jesus extends an invitation to follow his example, to get away for some time of solitude. Again, it's something he did often, whether it was because he had an important decision to make, 
whether he was grieving and he just needed to go and sit in his grief by himself for a little while, or whether he was just plain stressed out and needed to recharge before heading on to whatever was next. His need for solitude reminds us of his human nature, reminds us that he was a person. And the invitation to follow his example reminds us of his divine nature, that he knows what we need. The Psalms are often referred to as as Jesus' prayer book, so it's not a stretch at all to imagine that the image that's painted in Psalm 23, the one that we read earlier, the familiar psalm, is an image that he clung to while getting away by himself. Green pastures, still waters, restoration, comfort, goodness, mercy, anointing, a cup overflowing with, with joy, with satisfaction. All while walking through dark valleys and being in the presence of enemies. In her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence, Ruth Haley Barton discusses three types of rest that we find when we're in solitude. First, she talks about rest for the body. Rest for the body. Now, I'm guessing that most of us have fallen into the trap at one point or another in our lives of burning the candle at both ends. Anyone willing to admit that at some point in their life, maybe this morning, maybe earlier this week, you thought, you know what, I'll just get some rest next month. I'll, I'll I'll just get some rest when summer comes. I'll just get some rest when I get to that vacation, whether our calendar is full of activities that we loathe or activities that we love at one point or another, our bodies reach a point where they just can't take it all. They can't take it anymore. We all need rest. Uh, Last Sunday evening, Haley uh, and I were were sitting down and, and looking at the coming week and Thomas had been sick. Our son had been sick that week. So we wanted to make sure that we had everything covered. We pulled out the calendar and talked through Monday. One softball practice, two piano lessons. This is manageable. Then we got to Tuesday. Soccer tryouts, gymnastics, choir rehearsal, baseball practice, two softball practices, and presbytery. Guess who woke up sick on Wednesday? Both of our girls. Now, Portia is going to talk about Sabbath keeping this next week, so I don't want to get into it too much. But but when we don't prioritize rest, our health pays the price. We all know this. Our bodies pay the price when we don't prioritize finding rest. We were reminded of that last week with Elijah, right? He's, he's running from Queen Jezebel's army. He gets to Mount Horeb, and he's exhausted, and he's hungry. Before he can hear God's voice, he needs to eat and he needs to sleep. He needs to take care of his physical needs. And I don't think it's a stretch to think he couldn't know how tired and how hungry he really was until he was alone. That while he was going and going and going and going, he didn't really know exactly how tired or hungry that he was. But once he got alone, it hit him. Oh, 
I am hungry. Oh, I am tired. Mark writes that there were so many people that were coming to Jesus. There were so many people coming to Jesus and the apostles after all the miracles that they were performing that they had forgotten to eat. That they, had, they were so busy that they had forgotten to eat. So he says, get away with me and take care of our physical needs together. So maybe this week, maybe the discipline we need to pick up has to do with paying attention to our bodies. If you're tired, take a nap. I know I said that last week. It's okay to take naps two weeks in a row. If you've been wanting to pick up some sort of new exercise and you haven't prioritized it, I challenge you to do it. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know where to start when it comes to taking care of your your body, carve out some time to sit in silence and just breathe. Just breathe, paying attention to every breath. Where does your body ache? Where are you fidgety? Pay attention to those things. And ask God to meet you in those places. Solitude also provides rest for our minds. When Ruth Haley Barton writes about solitude and resting our minds, she talks about the difference between thinking about someone and being in their presence. The difference between thinking about someone and physically being in their presence. In other words, it's, it's one skill set to know about a person, to admire them, to learn about them from afar. And it's totally different to actually be with that person. There's a reason that when, when Jesus quotes the Shema, the, the prayer that from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that the Israelites are instructed to learn, it starts with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. It actually, I got the order wrong, it actually goes with all your soul, sorry, with all your heart, with all your mind or strength. And with all your soul. Now, a lot of us in the Presbyterian tradition uh, are like what I like to refer to as mind first people. We are thinkers, we like thinking. It's hard to rest our minds. But when we do, we often realize that they have been working overtime. That they've actually been trying to do the work, that our minds have been trying to do the work of our hearts and our souls. And here's what I mean by that. How many of you have absolutely no problem shutting off your mind when you go to bed? I'm jealous. I'm jealous. My guess is it's something that a lot of us struggle with. The internal noise that we talked about last week. For most of us, solitude forces us to turn off the part of ourselves that are always at work. There's a story about an interview between Dan Rather and and Mother Teresa um, where he asks her what she says when she prays. He he, he says, well, what what do you say when, when you pray? And Mother Teresa responds, I just listen. 
And Rather says, huh, well, what does God say? And Mother Teresa responds, he doesn't say anything. He listens too. I looked for the interview and, and, and couldn't find it, so I don't know if that's actually true. But it's been quoted in multiple books. Um, it, it illustrates the point that if our minds are always on, if our minds are always going, if we're always thinking of, of what to say next or, or how to say it, we run the risk of leaving our heart and our soul out of the re- equation. We, we, we run the risk of, of loving God with our minds, but not with our heart and our soul. We need to find ways to rest our minds. Now, I mentioned earlier that the Psalms are often referred to as Jesus' prayer book. Maybe practicing this discipline of resting your mind is memorizing a psalm. So that when you have that chatter in your mind going over and over again, you can calm it down by reciting one of those psalms. Or maybe it's as simple as finding solitude and, and reading or watching something fun just to put your mind at ease. Now, Mondays are the days that I typically take for my Sabbath. And there was a season when dropping off my kids at school, after dropping them off at school, uh, I'd go to the movie theater all alone. I know this is a really weird thing to admit. But I would go to the movie theater all alone, and I'd be one of maybe two or three people in the movie theater, and it was awesome. It was awesome. I never really saw it as a discipline, and I always felt a little funny about it. But somehow, that two hours, two and a half hours in the movie theater helped me to recharge for the week. I wasn't thinking about anything. Maybe it's something I need to take up again. Then we get to rest for the soul. The Hebrew word that is used in the Shema for for soul, uh, it, it translates to breath or to inner being. Eugene Peterson translates it this way, Love the Lord your God with everything that is within you. When we think of soul, our innermost being. And the Greek word that Jesus uses when he quotes that prayer is similar. It's the word that we get psyche from. The idea is that when everything around us is stirring, we can't help but be unsettled in our innermost being. All too often we approach finding rest for our unsettled soul like a kid looking for a seat in a game of musical chairs. We all know that game, right? As the music plays, everybody walks around the chairs. Excitement builds. And the longer the music plays, the more and more nervous we get looking over our shoulder, seeing where the person is who's behind us, looking forward to seeing where the person is in front of us. And then if you're playing somewhere and you can see the person who's hitting play or pause on the music, you're staring at them, thinking, "Uh uh-oh, when's JR going to hit pause? And then we hit pause. And there's this frantic panic to find the chair. When the music comes to a crashing halt, sometimes the chair is there to catch us. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're left out of the game. In an interview about his book titled Soul Keeping, John Ortberg says, 
The soul is both the most fragile and most resilient thing about you. A healthy soul is what holds you together when your world falls apart. Since you will carry your soul into eternity, it's worth checking up on at least as often as you check up on your teeth. I read this week that Jesus only uses the word easy once. Only once. It's when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. It's the only time he uses it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We can find rest for our souls when we set a pace that looks more like a slow stroll with God than a frantic game of musical chairs. So maybe, maybe the practice for you this week is intentionally slowing down. Saying no to someone or to something. Giving your weary soul a break. We're going to gather around the communion table in a few moments, but before we do, I want us to think about how we might find some rest this week. I want you to to take some time to think about how you might prioritize that as a discipline as we step out into the week. Uh, You can jot it down on your bulletin if you have a bulletin. There's pencils in front of you. There's there's pieces of paper in the, the, the pew backs as well, the pockets behind the pews as well. You can write something down. You can pull out your phone. You can pull out your phone and write something down. How are you going to prioritize resting with God? being alone with God this week. So as you think of that, as you write that down, again, you can get something out and write it down if you want to. But I'm going to read these words from Psalm 23 one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever let's pray holy god may we Prioritize finding rest in you. Restore our tired bodies, our overly active minds, our stirred up souls. We pray these things in your name. Amen.